If you're a last-minute gift shopper, then Instacart is your holiday rescue app this season. No more tracking packages, no more trips to the post office, and no more Christmas gifts arriving in February. Instead, you can just download Instacart to order gifts like beauty, tech, and gourmet goods from local stores and get them delivered in as fast as one hour. Plus, right now, you'll get free delivery on your first three orders. This offer is valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 plus to purchase alcohol where available. All right, so check this out. The other day, I was grocery shopping at my local Walmart with my four-month-old. While I was loading up my vehicle, I heard an excuse me from behind me. My cart was very full to the point of almost overflowing with larger items. Toilet paper, diapers, you get it. So I thought maybe something fell out of my cart or I left something behind in the store. As I turned around, there was a woman about two feet away from me, which in itself startled me. She was holding a bouquet of wilted flowers and was handing me a rose saying, Happy Mother's Day. Out of instinct, I reached out and I took the rose from her. I immediately became hyper aware of my surroundings and instinctively grabbed onto the cart, which had my son in his car seat still in it. The conversation then went as follows. Lady says, Happy Mother's Day. She's very monotone. No smile. Nothing. I say thank you. Lady says, I need donations. My child is very, very sick. She tries to show me a laminated but old-looking piece of paper, but it was under her arm holding it. I said, Oh no, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash on me to give you. Lady stares at me for a few seconds and says, But my child, I need donations. Now, I'm starting to get nervous. I say, I'm really sorry. I wish I could help, but I can't. And I handed the rose back to her. She says, You don't want it? My child is very sick. I said, Hey, you keep the flower for yourself, and I hope your child gets better. Sorry. She grabs the flower from me and starts running to the other people in the parking lot. I was really scared and I started to almost panic, so I put my son into my vehicle trying not to touch him with the hand that was holding the flower because of the stories that I've read and have been told. I then got into my vehicle and locked the doors and started washing my hands with the sanitizer that I keep in the console. I sat there for a few minutes, making sure nobody was around me and nothing was happening to me, and then I filed a police report for suspicious behavior. Maybe I overreacted, and this woman really was looking for help for her child, but the whole situation seemed fishy to me, especially after she left me, she went after other people and was even banging on their car windows. While I was filing the police report, I watched a man driving around the same area of the parking lot, taking pictures of vehicles and parking in multiple spots, then moving again. Needless to say, I got the hell out of there. This person submitted an edit for clarification. They say, I don't think I was going to get drugged, I don't think I was going to get trafficked, and I don't think I was about to be kidnapped. The fact of the matter is that in the small city in Canada that I was shopping in, 
This is not common at all. We don't even have any homeless people out and about. While this may be common where you live and may not seem scary to you, it was scary to me. You never know anyone's intentions, so regardless if she was just panhandling, it seemed suspicious. I stand behind my decision to file a police report as she was harassing people, banging on their windows, and generally being creepy. There was also the man driving around the parking lot taking pictures of cars, which I thought was weird as hell. The stories that I've heard to explain why I avoided touching anything with the hand that I held the flower with. In sister cities to me, people have been approached the same way that I was, and once they got into their vehicles, they passed out. They think there was a substance put on the flower or the item they were given which made them black out in order for them to be robbed, or worse. Please keep in mind that these are simply stories that I've read on Facebook from people posting their experiences and news outlets posting about it. I don't know if there's any truth to these stories, but they're scary enough to stick with you. In hindsight, the woman was also holding the rose, so obviously there was nothing on it, but in the moment I didn't consider that, so I still sanitized my hand, which I would have done regardless after being in the store touching things. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. I worked the late shift to pay for university, and I come home at midnight. I share a house with my mom and park my car in a garage that you can open with a remote control. You can get straight into the house through a door that connects the garage with the basement, which I normally do except for Thursdays, where I go around the house to pull our trash cans onto the street and then enter through the main door. Our house is surrounded by tall bushes, so you can't see much of the street. It's a small, rural village, and I know all the neighbors very well. On a Thursday night, I returned home from my shift, and when I drove into our street, I noticed an unfamiliar car with its headlights on. Since I know my neighborhood so well, I was kind of confused about the car, but couldn't see the license plate nor the person sitting in the car clearly since the light was blinding me. You only drive into our street when you live there, or visit someone there since it only circles back to the main street when you follow it to the end. I opened the gate and the garage door remotely and drove inside. From that point, I can only see the street through the gate since the bushes are so high on both sides. I normally would have left the car and walked outside to grab the trash can, but that day I got a long voice message from a friend and stayed in my car to listen to it. Seven minutes into the message, I lift my gaze and look into my rearview mirror, and I see a man standing in my driveway behind my car. He didn't move in any way. He just stood perfectly still and watched me. I panicked, and I locked the doors, then grabbed the remote and closed the extremely slow garage gate. I sat there for a moment and was too scared to leave the car since I couldn't be sure that he didn't enter the garage before the door had reached the floor. 
I also had to call my mother because the garage door into the basement was locked since I had planned to use the main door. She later told me that she immediately went to the window. She can see the street since she lives on the first floor, but she couldn't see the man or the car at that point. I told myself it probably was a neighbor who wasn't thinking about how creepy he was acting and that I just didn't recognize him in the dark, but over the following days, I asked around and nobody knew the man. I only got the information that that type of car was seen slowly driving around our neighborhood during the last several days. My mom thinks it was somebody that wanted to surprise me and forced me to let him into the house to rob us. My grandma had just died and nobody knew that my mom spent the nights over. She thinks he waited behind the bushes and got impatient or confused when I didn't exit the car. We never found out who it was. This isn't the scariest story on this sub, but I consider myself a pretty alert and vigilant guy who manages to avoid a lot of creepy encounters. These things don't happen to me often, so when they do, they stand out. It was a few months ago. I'd just gone thrift shopping around 8.30 p.m. at Value Village. I didn't find anything good, but I didn't want to waste the trip, so before heading home, I decided to take my dog out of the car for a quick walk around the block. I smoked some weed and unexpectedly got really into the walk. The night air was cool and refreshing. The rain felt nice on my face, and the ground beneath my feet was unusually satisfying to walk on. It was pretty blissful, so I took my time circling back to my car. Once I got back, the Value Village was closed and my car was the only one left in the parking lot. All the lights in the lot were out. I walked through the darkness to my car with very little situational awareness and unlocked it with the fob. I didn't even notice the guy at the bus stop before he started talking to me. The bus stop was at the street, right in front of the parking lot, about 30 feet from my car. He was behind the bus stop, not in front of it, where someone would actually be waiting for the bus. There was nobody else around. He asked me, can I have a cigarette? I told him I don't smoke. He began to come towards me, but stopped and then followed up with, do you have any money? To which I said, no, sorry. I instantly got a bad feeling about him. Something was off. I've worked with homeless people for years and I get asked for cigarettes and money often, but there was something different about this. Maybe because the way he phrased the questions was a little different than how most people ask. When, as I said no, he stared at me for a few seconds and then turned, quickly walked away around a wall and out of sight. At this point, I knew I had to keep an eye on that corner. I just knew he was going to come back. I only took my eyes off it to open the rear door and to put my dog in the back seat. My dog doesn't always get into the car right away and sometimes takes some convincing. I tried to rush it as much as possible, yanking his leash upwards until he jumped in maybe five seconds later. I buckled him in and I shut the door. 
I whipped my head back around towards the corner, and the guy wasn't there. He was behind me. He was quietly approaching, about ten feet away, with his hands in his jacket. Not in the pockets or the bottom of his jacket, but through the top of the slightly opened zipper. I made eye contact with him, and he stopped moving. He just looked in another direction and froze. I used this time to get into my vehicle and lock the doors. I felt like it took ages because I was still slightly stoned and my reflexes were slow. If he hadn't stopped walking, he probably would have been able to reach me before I got in. I drove off and mostly forgot about it until now. There was nothing else in that parking lot. No reason for him to be there. It was super weird. Ever since then, I've remembered to be more mindful of my surroundings. Another story time from the archives of my mind from 2016 in Portland, Oregon. To paint the picture, it was my freshman year at Portland State University, October-November time period. Cool and breezy. A perfect night for sneaking some alcohol past the RAs in the Broadway resident hall. A handful of friends I created a friend group of decided to gather in a new mate's dorm while her sister was away and passed the night's time with Rosé Angry Orchards and Sour Apple Four Locos. See, at Broadway, they did a few rounds nightly to assure the noise levels were done, no lower classmen were in the upper floors, no alcohol drinking or drug partaking was occurring, things like that. At this time, it was about 9 p.m., and being the klutz that I was, I spilled my four loco over a blanket sheet, causing the smell to attract the RA on their round. Long story short, we all got ridden up, had to dump what we had left, and called it a night. Well, a friend and I, I'll call her D here, went down to the notorious Max shop downstairs to chain-smoke our American spirits and rave about how the night was still young and that it was a damn shame the fun had to be ruined so early on. We were met with an older 30s to early 40s man who seemed nice enough to greet us, as they all do. He overheard how the night was just as young as we were, and if we were down, he would pull some cash for beer and we'd all drink together in his penthouse. Now, D and I chalked up his penthouse to being bullshit, but the promise of free beer already had us all in. We walked to the ATM just up the road. He grabbed his funds and got some PBR and Angry Orchards at Max. We head to the dark park blocks. D and I hyped up that we can continue our buzz and get drunk for free. Now... If you live in Portland and have college friends or went to PSU, you know of The View. Heading to the direction of the art museum, he unlocks the front door to The View. Dee and I now convinced he wasn't blowing smoke about having a penthouse. The three of us walk in, we head to the elevator, and lo and behold, he presses the P button atop the long list of numbers indicating each floor, and we head up to the penthouse. We get to his door, D and I holding each other's hands in companionship and excitement that we are in a goddamn penthouse getting drunk. 
We sit at the center of the man's living room, having the smallest of small talk about law and order. He tells Dee and I how he affords the penthouse through his fish and chip food cart in the South Park blocks by the PSU library, and so on. We're basically working our way through as many beers as we can before we admire the cityscape from the balcony before leaving and pay most of his stories no mind. We head out to the balcony and look overhead, smoking and raving to our group chat about what we got ourselves into and enjoying ourselves. Now, the whole time we were at this man's table and on his balcony, he was texting or calling somebody or several people on his phone. We consider it to be no issue at all until after about 20 minutes into basking in the penthouse views, we notice a lady, not too well kept and tidy, sitting on his couch, talking with him. He tells us to take a seat. We hesitate, but we do. I sit on the farthest end of the couch from the mysterious lady, and Dee sits next to the guy as she tries rushing through her beer and texts the group chat for someone to call in a few minutes with an excuse for us to dip now that we've had as many beers as we could and want to leave. The penthouse predator leans in towards Dee to tell her how beautiful her eyes are. He dives quickly to her face for a kiss in which she dodges amazingly fast. She mumbles how she isn't okay with that and that our friend T is actually her girlfriend. I ramble on about how that's true and how I have a boyfriend. Also a lie, but sounded good at the time. The man then puts his hands in his face, stands up aggressively, and swiftly enough to bump his table and knock over all the beer cans and glasses on top of it, and angrily says, What the F? You have five seconds to run before I... Well... Assault both of you. Dee and I exchanged frightened looks, her saying, What? Before I yank her arm, we grab our phones and bags as we run to navigate the elevator. We frantically run down the hall, scared, making it to the elevator before we remember there's a poor lady in there now alone and locked in with him. We contemplate calling the police and our friends for help or saving the lady first. Dee and I decide simultaneously to run down to the lobby where I leave three maximum capacity voicemails to our aforementioned friend, T, who did not answer. Once we realize it was now 3 a.m. and none of our friends were awake, we decide to tiptoe back to his door and overhear the two laughing. Apparently, this lady is a regular of his, either in SW or his own personal buddy. And he called her over to convince us to have a threesome or a foursome. But when we heard him say he wanted to keep D around a little while longer, that was enough for both of us to hear. We run back to the elevators, back down to our dorm buildings and try to sober up to piece together how we got ourselves into that situation and what exactly we got ourselves into. The next morning, our group chat blew up over what happened, us not recalling much after the alcohol, and our brains trying to block out what we did comprehend but didn't want to discuss. Our friend T, playing my voicemails over and over to the friend group, with it being laughed at over time once the seriousness had died down. 
I'm unsure if that man was the guy that ran the popular fish and chips cart right outside the PSU library, or if the food cart is still there to this day. I dropped out of college after just one semester, so I paid no mind during that time to ever verify if the man was telling the truth. I still bounce back between Portland and whichever new state I choose to reside in and might just go one day to see if it's there, to see if he's there. All I know is I never wish to see that penthouse predator in Portland, Oregon ever again. This happened at the start of this year. I'm a 13-year-old girl, and yes, I know I'm young, but I've always been mature for my age. I've even been known to be mistaken for a 17-year-old. I'm 5'5", so it's common for people to get confused with my age. One day, I was visiting my auntie's grave by myself. It was a stormy day, but I had been missing her, so I decided to go anyway. The graveyard was quite far away from my home, so I caught a train. Even then, the walk was over half an hour. The walk involved a steep hill, so after it started raining cats and dogs, I didn't want to walk up a hill in case I'd fall over. I had blisters all over my feet, and I had fallen on my knee at the graveyard, leaving me unable to straighten my leg. The walk to the next train station, down the hill, was just over an hour long, and before you say, you should have called your parents. I only have one, and she was at work. I made it about halfway when a car pulled up in front of where I was walking. Before I was in earshot, I could see that it was two 25 to 35-year-old men smoking. Mind you, I was here in a very short skirt because I had nothing else to wear, so I was already kind of nervous. When I got closer to the car, I was hoping to just walk around it and pretend that it wasn't there, but the guy in the driver's seat rolled down his window. I took out my AirPods and stopped at the window. Logically, I should have kept walking, but I was scared that they needed help with something and I didn't want to be a dick. He grinned at me, taking the joint from out of his mouth and handing it to his friend. Do you need a ride? was all that he asked me. I politely declined. I knew better than to get into some random stranger's car. I wasn't an idiot. His face dropped as I declined and turned more serious. I thanked him for the offer and began walking away. Hey girl, just get in my car, he said, causing me to freeze. I've had too many encounters with strange men while trying to get home, but none that ever involved multiple men or a car. I told myself to just keep walking and forget it, but as I started walking, he yelled, get in my car right now. His friend also chimed in with, come on, darling, it'll be fun. At this point, I was visibly shaking, but I was also drenched from the rain, so it wasn't surprising. I told myself there was nothing else I could do but keep walking. So I put my AirPods back in to try and get them to know I wasn't paying attention anymore and began on my way, trying my best to cover up my noticeable limp. The fact was, I didn't actually play any music, and before they could do anything else, a car drove down the street. I heard them talking moderately loudly, saying, pick her up at the next chance, 
and the others say, damn right. If it wasn't for me not playing the music I was pretending to listen to, I knew I wouldn't have heard this. They sped off, and I sat down once they were out of eyesight. I remember crying from fear, and when I finally got up, I bolted through the bush. If I cut through the bush, eventually I would have reached a different road, which I did. I never saw them again after that, and I'm extremely thankful. It still scares me that if they saw my limp, or if I didn't have my AirPods, that something else could have happened, and I could have not been here typing this today. I've convinced myself that it was just two junkies who wanted to make a sick joke, and they knew all along that I wasn't listening to them. I also live in a safe enough town, and I wouldn't expect anything like kidnapping to happen there. I haven't told anyone about this for multiple reasons. I have some mental health issues, and I was supposed to be on lockdown that day. My mom hates when I go to the graveyard, and I still think this was all a joke. Even if it wasn't a joke, it was in January. I don't remember the license plate, what the guys look like, or even what model the car was, so it's pointless telling anyone about it. I just wanted to let it out in some way, hence why I'm sharing my story here. This shit is scary, but that's just the real world. This story takes place back in 2016 on Valentine's Day. I took out my then-girlfriend to dinner, and after dinner, I drove us to the beach. I always love walking the beach, especially at night, because of the atmosphere of everything, the quietness, the calmness, and the sense of peace. But this night didn't end up like any of that. I parked the car in the parking lot that hardly anyone ever parks in because of how far away it is from the pier, from the lighthouse, and the other sights to see on the beach. I preferred parking here this time because, well, it's Valentine's Day and the privacy is what we wanted. I parked the car reverse into the lot where we're facing the long road that we drove to to get to the secluded parking lot. Also to add that the lot is on a small decline with a slight slope to get down into the lot. Her and I are listening to music and I'm telling my usual scary stories that I find on Reddit and on YouTube. We're there for about 30 minutes when out in the road above and in front of us, we see the headlights of this truck driving towards us fast. At first, I'm not alarmed by this because I know plenty of people who speed down that road since no cop cars could hide behind anywhere. But my heart skips a beat when I see the truck not slowing down at all when it's about to enter the parking lot. I swear that the truck was airborne for just a few moments since they didn't slow down to the drive down the slope. I tell my girlfriend to get down in her seat and so do I as I don't want the driver to see us in the car. I get my keys ready into the ignition just in case the truck wants to stop in front of us. I've seen plenty of horror movies and read many stories and I don't feel like being the Zodiac copycat killer's next victims at Lover's Lane. To ease my girlfriend, who I know was freaking out, I jokingly tell her that some people are just in that much of a rush to get some Valentine's Day special treatment. She doesn't laugh. 
The truck zooms past us and parks crooked in the lot nearest to where the sand on the beach starts. It's about 50 yards away from us. Immediately, three men jump out of the truck and all of them run directly to the water, shouting out loud. Since it was nine in the evening, they disappear into the darkness and, just for reference, the parking lot is about a hundred yards away from the shoreline. All is now quiet again, and my girlfriend and I can finally take a breath of fresh air. But no more than three minutes later, the three men jump back into the truck and again speed away, never to be seen again. Her and I had had enough spooks for the night, so we drive away ourselves. The next day at work, I tell one of my coworkers this story during lunch, and she pulls out her phone to see if there's anything posted online yet, and... Immediately, she finds the article that I would post below the story, but the subreddit doesn't allow screenshots or links. But to summarize the news article, it says, A man was stabbed Sunday night on the Hunim Pier, police said. The incident happened at about 9.15 p.m. The victim was a 20-year-old Oxnard man. Police said the victim was attacked by three men. There was no doubt that the men in the truck were responsible. The only reason why I didn't contact the police is because, at that time in my life, I didn't know anything about cars or what makes and models existed, so I couldn't even give that simple information to the police. Also to add, since it was dark, I couldn't even see the men's faces or any other key features that they had. And for those wondering why I didn't get out of the car to write down the license plate, well, I didn't feel like being a next victim in whatever those people were doing. My theory for why the men drove to our parking spot and ran to the beach is so they can wash off any evidence linking them to the attack. Let me preface this by saying since about 1999 or 2000, I've been getting accused of being in places, having conversations that I don't remember, etc. This other me always drives the same car that I have. I think the two of us have been swapping back and forth for two decades now. Until this past autumn, it hadn't happened for several years. Then, in October, I was getting phone calls and people telling me later that they saw me somewhere and that they were calling to me, but I was ignoring them. On to the main reason that I came to post this. In November, I was in a horrible car accident. My BFF lives about a mile from me. We were leaving my house and heading to hers. She left about two minutes before me, her 12-year-old daughter with her. About a minute after I left, she called to tell me she was stopping at the gas station and that I needed to get over into the right lane because there was a really bad accident blocking the left lane. She says it's weird because one of the vehicles in the accident looked exactly like mine. We hung up right before I went through an intersection, about a quarter mile from the gas station and the intersection where the accident was. I set my phone down next to me, and the next thing I know, I can only describe as my soul or my life force being forcefully sucked back into my body. My left leg is pinned under the dashboard and the windshield is on top of me. 
I was somehow instantly transported six blocks to an accident that happened before I was even on that street. My BFF and her daughter say there's no way this could have happened because they passed the accident while on the phone with me. The people who stopped to help all said that they didn't know what happened and they didn't see anything, even though the street was full of cars. I mean, it was rush hour on a main street. When I say my van was totaled, I mean that no one knows how I could have survived. I had to be cut out of my van. Once I was out of the hospital, I started noticing little things just being off. I just can't put my finger on what it was that's not right. I feel like I'm in a different reality, be it ever so slightly different. I think maybe my alt died and I lived. I don't know. But I can't figure out how the accident happened or how I went from one intersection to another in a split second. How my BFF and her 12-year-old daughter saw it while they were on the phone with me telling me about it. This whole situation is driving me nuts and maybe somewhere I have kids that are mourning their mother right now. Right before the accident was when several people said that they saw me and since the accident, no one has seen my alt and I don't know if anyone ever will. This is all just blowing my mind and whenever I try to tell somebody about it, they look at me like I need a padded room and 24-7 care. I'd probably think that too if I didn't have independent witnesses. This person has added an edit to their story to include this next part. They say, I absolutely can't believe that I forgot this part. So, last year I filed my taxes and I got my refund. I needed to file an amendment and was told I'd get it by early August. August comes and goes and nothing. No one can tell me jack. I forget about it, and this whole time, the van that was wrecked had a massive hole in the radiator and other major things that just weren't worth fixing. So, the amendment was going to get me a new car. Well, the accident happens, and I can't leave my house for three months due to my injuries and my panic attacks at the mere suggestion. February rolls around, and in the middle of the night, I see an envelope on the floor next to my bed. I open it, and it's the damn amendment check, finally. No one knows where it came from, and everyone swears it was never in the mailbox. Anyways, a few weeks prior to this, my BFF, which is the same one as before, who works at a mechanic shop, casually mentions that she bought a 2001 Pontiac Aztec at a ridiculous price to resell there. My jaw drops. That vehicle is number three on my all-time list. I've literally wanted one since 2001. It had one owner, and it was in almost brand new condition. I was fretting for three weeks on how I could get the money to buy it because they weren't going to hold on to it for me. And boom, here comes the check. At the exact time I can now leave my house is the exact time that that car shows up. If I had gotten my amendment check back in August, I probably would have fixed the van because it would have been easier and cheaper. So, all that crap happens with the accident, and then this was my silver lining. 
a vehicle that was only manufactured for five years, barely sold any, and was touted as the car that killed Pontiac. Like, that was what made this whole thing even weirder. Plus, I paid half of what it was worth because of the hookup from my BFF who worked at the shop. I basically paid for the repairs on it that the other owner didn't want to pay for. This car is going to be buried with me, you guys. So, yeah, that's the weird, more than a coincidence, rest of the story. Sorry I forgot all of that before, but there it is, in all its perfectly timed madness. And honestly, if it meant I ended up with the Aztec, I'd do the whole thing over. Broken body, unanswered questions, all of it. This might not sound like a first-hand encounter, but it is. Just bear with me for a bit. My mom had always been spiritual and religious. She says she has part of God's light, but I don't believe any of that. I'm a hardcore atheist. I just think that she found a way to hack the simulation without even realizing it. So, my mom always says a prayer when she loses something and she would miraculously find the thing that she lost in the most unexpected places. She even says the same prayer for other people when they lose something. Literally, one time she said the prayer for one of her friends who watched her earrings fall into the sink and after asking my mom to say the prayer, she found them on the floor of her living room later that day. But that's only one of the things that my mom does. So, one day, I was sarcastically telling my mom to say her prayer to help me find my old, precious puppy doll, which I had lost a long time ago. And she literally said, I'm afraid that you'll go insane after finding it there, in a completely different country, and you won't be able to handle it. Now, I was moving to another country, but... I was still like, yeah, right. So, I moved to another country, and guess what I found? Not the puppy doll, unfortunately, but I found a hair clipper that I lost almost two years ago. It suddenly appeared in one of my bags. I was shocked, because I searched for it everywhere. Plus, I selectively chose each and every item and put them into my bag and sealed it shut before I left. I tried to rationalize it, that I must have missed it, but there was just no way, because I made sure to take only what I needed, and their hair clipper just wasn't there. I didn't ask my mom about any of this, because she would try to tease me because I don't believe in a god, and now that happened. Hmm. Alright, so this is really weird. Last Sunday, me and my parents were visiting my sisters in Copenhagen. We were going to the zoo before eating pizza at my sister's place afterwards. We parked our car near my sister's apartment because it's just easier to take the bus. Parking spots near the zoo are almost non-existent. We get on the bus and sit down somewhere in the middle. In most newer buses in Denmark, there are two pairs of screens one in the front, and then one around the middle. One of the screens from each pair shows what stop is next, while the other screen plays different ads and news, but it's always on mute. 
They were playing some informational video about how to buy a bus ticket over the phone. I wasn't paying attention until something caught my eye. I'm really not sure what, but this blonde girl with dreadlocks in her 20s wearing a white t-shirt appeared on the screen. Just as the doors to the bus slide open, the very same girl actually stepped onto the bus. Now, I just kind of brushed it off. It's not uncommon for those ads to include regular people like you and me. It was probably just a coincidence that she was taking that very same bus. Three stops later, my family and I get off and we go to buy zoo tickets. Behind the glass, handing us the tickets is the same blonde girl with dreadlocks in her early 20s, but wearing a military green t-shirt with the zoo's logo on it. Now, that was weird. That happened two more times within the next few minutes as we made our way towards the pandas, always wearing different clothes, but the same girl with the same hair. Her eyes were also very distinct. Her expression was constantly firm. She had freckles on her cheeks and on her nose. When I pointed her out to my sister, she agreed that she did look familiar, but couldn't ever get a good look at her before she disappeared into the crowd and wasn't seen again. Hey, it's me. If you are a fan of these scary stories or my channel and you haven't subscribed yet, I'd like to take a moment to ask you to consider doing that now. I would greatly appreciate you. Here's more stories. Like everywhere else in the world, we received the daily newspaper. Well, daily. So I usually discard certain items in my kitchen after wrapping them up in old newspaper. Of course, I casually, by default, just glance around at the articles printed on it before wrapping and throwing it away. These past few days, something weird happened. The first day, I picked up an old newspaper, tore a random sheet, saw the page, and it had the recent Met Gala images on it. It was very eye-catching. Blake Lively in the golden dress, Cara Delevingne covered in gold paint, Sarah Jessica Parker in the big, glamorous headgear. I'm not sure what those are called. Anyway, I crumpled it up and I tossed it. A couple of days later, I pulled out an old newspaper again, tore a random sheet out, and again, without doubt, it's the same sheet. Same pictures, same articles. I think to myself, maybe I'm mistaken, or maybe, perhaps, we got two sets of identical papers delivered by mistake. I still glance at the date just to be sure. It really is the date I saw from two days ago. I wrote it off as deja vu. Now, almost a week to ten days after this incident, which I'd completely forgotten about because of how trivial a coincidence it seemed, I pick a random paper from the old pile of papers that I've collected over the past few days. I tear a random sheet, and it's the same damn sheet again. Same pictures, same articles, same date. Even if somehow an identical copy of the newspaper found its way into my house, how was the same sheet appearing this many times in a row, after me crumpling it up and discarding it multiple times? No one's messing with me for sure, because firstly, no one in my house has that kind of time 
or sense of humor. And secondly, there's no way to ensure what page from the stack I'd randomly choose to and tear off. This one is kind of mundane, but it still messes me up and confuses me more than anything I've ever experienced. So, when I was 16, I got my first job as a camp counselor, and my mom bought me a nice pair of hiking boots as a gift. I wore them all summer, but when it was time for me to pack and go home, I absolutely could not find them, even though I'd worn them the day before. I searched everywhere and even had my co-workers help me search and we didn't find anything. I even searched everywhere once I got home just in case, but neither me or my family could find them there either. I kind of accepted that I wasn't going to find them and I felt bad and I eventually forgot about it. Well, three years later, I was packing my things to move out of my parents' house while grabbing a bag from under the sideboard table in the dining room, I noticed a pair of shoes underneath two, so I grabbed them to put them away. Lo and behold, they were my boots. Keep in mind, the legs on the sideboard were long enough that there's no way they would have gone unnoticed under there since we kept our shoes under it too often. All of my family members denied putting them there, and we thoroughly searched everywhere the first time that I lost them, since they were pretty expensive. Also, I didn't even originally lose them in the house. This still boggles my mind to this day, and I can't think of an explanation that lines up with where I actually lost them. Back in 2018, I was 17 years old and had come back from abroad to visit my friends in my home city for the winter. I remember it was the cold month of December and I was walking back to my apartment after a medical appointment with my mother when I happened to pass by this very old abandoned drama theater that was built in the 1800s where my grandfather had temporarily worked in his youth, which had been closed ever since the 90s. I recall that I hadn't been on that street for a long time, since my childhood, because I would always avoid the old drama theater building as it always gave me very strange vibes. So I would always just take the other way home back to the city center. However, that particular day, I happened to take that route for some unknown reason and I took that road with my mother while we discussed my upcoming exams until she stopped me at the intersection for some odd reason and told me I was going the wrong way. At that moment, I saw a young blonde girl sitting in a very familiar blue opal car playing on her PSP 3000 in the back seat. She glanced up to look at me all of a sudden. Our eyes met and I felt an odd sense of familiarity and recollection. I froze for a bit, in shock, until I heard my mother's voice and decided to quickly turn back. I went home as if nothing happened and then realized that when I was a kid back in 2009, it was snowing and I had seen an older teenager with highlights, makeup, 
and a purple winter jacket looking at me strangely when I was in the car with my dad in the back seat waiting for my mother to get back from the local store a few blocks away. And that's when it hit me that this person was actually me. She too had looked away quickly after locking eyes with me when I was a kid and she was dressed in the same attire that I was wearing in 2018. It was almost as if what happened wasn't supposed to happen, like I wasn't supposed to be there on that day. Even now, I'm very confused. How could I possibly have seen myself from the future and for me to remember it? I've never told anyone about it because they would assume I'm a delusional idiot or something. This had been something I haven't been able to explain to anyone. I still sometimes think about it and wonder whether I just fell asleep with my eyes open and had hallucinated the entire event, but I still recall it as blue as daylight. I've even asked my mother about the event and she blankly stared at me, saying that she remembered I was acting odd that day, wanting to go back to that place for some unknown reason. I don't believe in the supernatural, but after having experienced this event, I think there is definitely something else there which we aren't aware of. Here's some information up front. I'm a manager of a clerical team. I have an assistant manager that we call a lead that I interact with daily and we're constantly taking care of the team together. The date of the experience was June 6, 2022. I got to work at 9am and was immediately pulled into a meeting that lasted two hours and was broken up halfway through for a coffee break. I left my peer manager's office and went to my office to grab my mug and a K-cup. To get to where I was heading, I had to pass by my lead's desk. When I got there, she was sitting at her desk working on something on her computer. I stopped by to give a quick hello and catch up on need-to-knows. I made some remark like, hey, how are you this morning? She was very focused on her computer and didn't immediately respond. I've learned that when she's that focused, it's best if I just walk away because if I insist on a conversation, she'll have to restart her train of thought, and I didn't want to interrupt her in the zone moment. Plus, I was still needed back at the meeting, so I walked away and I got my coffee. After the meeting, I needed to have my lead work on something that was discussed in the meeting. She wasn't at her desk, so I asked the team if they knew where she had went. They all said that nobody had seen her today. I laughed and thought they were all trying to prank me. However, they reiterated that she had called in. I kind of lost my cool, not out of anger, but because I was truly baffled by the situation. I text my lead and she doesn't respond, so now I'm getting concerned about her well-being. I'm still at a loss as to how to explain this, but I eventually get a hold of her and she confirms that she wasn't at work and never came in that day. She's a little weirded out, but I'm really bothered now. I legit had a one-sided conversation with her and I know it was her. There's no way that it wasn't her. Our desks are assigned 
especially for me and my leads. It bothered me so much that when I got home, I spent all night watching YouTube videos on being able to see or perceive alternate dimensions. It's literally the only conclusion that I can draw. I would think, though, that out of almost 40 employees in the office, at least a few of them would have noticed me talking to an empty desk. This person includes two edits for context and a reply to a comment. The first one says, I talked about a change in the scenario that I didn't realize at first. I remember we were talking about a singular issue with a report, and then after breaking to get coffee, we were addressing two issues, and I distinctly remember being confused about the disconnect. The second edit says, I read a comment on another post that had mentioned quantum immortality. So, my question is, did I die in the break room while getting coffee? Hmm. Here's a quick glitch, one from the year 2000. My mom, my brother, and I were driving home from Wildwood, New Jersey, which we do every year with local friends in the next town over. This was the era before GPS, so we had printed MapQuest instructions to get around. We left Wildwood and headed home at about 8 a.m. and should have been home just five hours later by 1 p.m., Somewhere in New Jersey or New York, we started to get hungry because it's a long trip and we didn't have any food packed. I was listening to my Sony CD player at the time and I had asked my mom to stop and find a place to eat. We skipped breakfast that day to make good time on the road. We get off the highway to find some food, but we soon got lost at around 10.30 a.m. We didn't see a car for miles. The roads looked weird, and we started seeing roadways closed for construction, but there was no construction actively being worked on. We saw more than one highway entrance that was just blocked with cones. We didn't see the highway either, so we couldn't get back on the Garden State Parkway. We couldn't find any way out of this place that we had got lost in, which was near a body of water. That's when we all collectively lost track of time. It's normally a five-hour drive home, and when we all came to, it was 3 p.m. We looked at each other, and we all said the same things. Where did the time go? What time is it? How long have we been driving? Where are we? We finally found a weird, old-timey diner and got some food. The waiter gave us some good directions out of there, and we finally got home around 6 p.m. A five-hour car trip turned into a 10-hour glitch. I recently asked my mom what she remembers about this event, and she remembers it exactly the way I do, as posted above. She always jokingly says, we must have been abducted by aliens, but she's not serious. We genuinely don't know what happened that day. This happened about a week ago back in my office. So my office building is made up of different rooms and the room I was in is a pretty big one that I share with about 60 other people. 
Most of these employees leave in the early evening, and I'm one of the few that regularly stays until after nighttime. One of the usual late-staying employees has a habit of saying, Okay, bye boss, whenever I leave, even though I'm a more junior employee than him. So, basically, no one else besides this particular employee says that to me. About a week ago, everything was occurring as it normally does. It was just me and this other employee left in the room. Before I left, I bid him adieu, and as per usual, he'd said, Okay, bye boss. But what was weird was that after this line, about a couple of steps later, I heard him say something again that sounded oddly like, Okay, bye boss. I wasn't paying attention having already assumed the interaction was over. So I turned back and asked him if he'd said anything else. He looked confused and said no. So I proceeded to leave, and when I was nearing the door of the room, I heard his voice again, from his direction, say something that sounded like, okay, bye boss. Now, it's important to note that the distance from his desk to the door that I was nearing was pretty far, so it would have made sense for him to say goodbye to me at his desk rather than yell after me after I've reached the door. Now, don't ask me why, but I decided to head back to his seat again, and the same scene played out of me asking him if he'd said something and him saying no again, while adding, you need to sleep. I could tell he was starting to freak out a little bit as well, so I brushed it off and I made my way out once more. Here is when I wished that the entire situation would have ended, but right as I stepped through the door, I heard his voice again, and this time it said, you need to sleep. I didn't turn back this time. I headed straight to the elevator and left for the night. So what happened? I genuinely don't know, but it weirded me out and I thought you might appreciate the story here. I've never experienced repeated speech before, so I'm not quite sure what to make of it. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hey, hey.